Sup guys, this is Joe Blair, host of the Sports Gamble Ramble. I want to take a few seconds here to tell you guys about the Anchor app by Spotify. It is the app that I use to record and promote all of these episodes that you guys have been listening to. It's super easy to use. It's free to download. It uh, gives you the ability to edit and launch your podcast right from your phone or computer. Um, ton of upside to this, super user friendly, uh, and also gives you the ability to monetize your podcast and record nifty little ad reads like this so you know if you're ever interested in starting your own podcast or know anyone that is uh download the anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started and thank you for listening What's up, guys? SGR number 21. Today we're doing the Seattle Seahawks. We are going to start our breakdown of the NFC West, uh, the Seahawks, the returning NFC West champions. Um, this is another team I was super high on. You know, hopefully you guys listened to my Broncos episode yesterday. Uh, I talked about some of the futures I had last year with Denver, and I was on the Seattle team in a big way last year also. <clears throat> Excuse me. Last year I bet this team to win their division – at almost two to one, I think I got plus 196, so I hit that. Um, I also bet them to win the Super Bowl at about 16 to one. Uh, came up short. This team lost in the first round of the playoffs to the Rams, um, but uh, had a lot of futures. I also had them over, I think it was nine and a half wins was the line, so I crushed that as well. So I, I went two out of three on those, and <clears throat> you know, anytime you're betting a Super Bowl future at 16 to one, it's Obviously, you know, you're not expecting to hit that going into the season. It's just kind of an upside lottery ticket with uh, hopefully some room to hedge if they make a run. So it is what it is. But we hit the props on the division and the win total. Um, but this team, kind of an underwhelming offseason, uh, kind of a weird year last year, kind of a tale of two seasons. You know, they started out real hot. I thought the Super Bowl ticket at 16 to 1 had a lot of uh, heat on it. And I was really uh, hoping I could cash that. I had the Steelers and the Seahawks, Steelers 18 to one, Seahawks 16 to one. And halfway through the season, I was feeling real fucking good about it. Uh, both teams kind of collapsed in the second half. Um, this offense started out electric uh, last year. Um, they were, a, sorry guys, I fucked up on my notes. Eighth in points per game, 28.7 points per game, 17th in yards per game, 369.5 uh, on the turf. Um like I said, the offense started out great. DK Metcalf, an explosive breakout last year, uh, really, you know, emerged as a number one receiver for this team. And one of the, you know, top 10 receivers in the NFL, unarguably at this point, probably. Um, Tyler Lockett, also a great receiver. So the offense was really taken off. Chris Carson was fantastic to start the season, had some injury uh, you know, problems as we got into it, which kind of derailed his fantasy value for a little while, but he had a really great first month or so at the running back position. So, um, but then, the, you know, like I said, second half of the year, uh, things kind of fell off, you know, the offense just wasn't clicking. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see if they can, you know, regain that momentum. There was a, a change at offensive coordinator, which we'll talk about in a second. Uh, the defense not great last year you know this Seahawks team obviously has been known for you know the Legion of Boom uh and Pete Carroll really anchoring that defense um throughout his time in Seattle but 
Uh, they don't have a whole lot of talent on the defensive side of the ball right now. Obviously, the entire Legion of Boom is gone. Can't No more Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas, uh, Sherman. You know, all those guys are out the door. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a rebuilding defense, and the identity of this team now is more on the offensive side of the ball. So the defense, 15th in points per game last year, 23.2. Uh, 22nd in yards per game, 381. Uh, turnover margin was plus four. Russell Wilson doesn't turn it over a whole lot. He actually was throwing some picks over the second half last year, which is what started to cost this team games. Um, he's not a guy that's been a turnover prone quarterback in his career, but last year he was getting a little uh, fast and loose with the football at times. I think he was, uh, you know, really trying to carry the team and, and, you know, make plays, make, make big plays on every play instead of just kind of taking what the defense gives him. So a little bit over aggressive by Russ last year, but plus four in turnover margin that was tied for 10th in the NFL. Uh, we'll talk about coaching. I just hinted a uh, new offensive coordinator. <clears throat> His name's Shane Waldron, former offensive coordinator with Brian Schottenheimer. And if you guys know anything about Brian Schottenheimer, he's one of the more run heavy offensive coordinators in the NFL. Uh, they decided to move on from Schottenheimer and bring in Shane Waldron because they wanted to run the ball more which is super frustrating from a fantasy perspective. And, uh, you know, uh, people the last two years, all I've heard is uh, let Russ cook all off season. And it is true. You know, you'd love to see what a guy like Russell Wilson could do with these receivers in a more open offense, like something that the Rams or the chiefs or the Packers run. Uh, but that's not the identity of this team. Pete Carroll wants to run the ball regardless of how bad the defense is right now. So kind of confusing. Uh, <clears throat> Waldron's background, he was a uh, member of the Patriots staff from 08 to 09. Coached college football for five years, then came back to the NFL in 2016 with Washington. Uh, 2017 to 2020, he was an offensive assistant under Sean McVay in uh, Los Angeles. So that's his background. First year as the OC in Seattle. Uh, first year as an offensive coordinator. Uh, period. So we'll see how it goes. But the idea, I guess, is that he's a pretty run heavy guy. Um, we'll get into the personnel. Honestly, I'll just be up front. This team, I think, had a pretty bad offseason, which kind of sucks because, like I said, I was super high on them last year. And the offense has a lot of really exciting pieces, um, but not a lot of momentum in this organization for me right now. I don't anticipate them to repeat as divisional champs. Um, I guess, spoiler alert, uh, tomorrow's episode on the Rams. I'm a little bit higher on the Rams right now. If I had to take a shot on a team to win the division, that's my pick. Um, you know, obviously with Matt Stafford coming over, I think it's a big upgrade. But we're talking about Seattle today. Key losses. Um, linebacker KJ Wright uh, was a really great linebacker for this team over the last six years or so. Uh, was a member of that those Super Bowl defenses. He's gone. Cornerback Shaquille Griffin, uh, probably their best corner last year. He's gone. Defensive tackle Jaron Reed, a starter on that D line. He's gone. Uh, more on the defense. Uh, linebacker Shaquem Griffin, Shaquille's brother. Um, you guys probably just know him as the linebacker with only one hand. Um, I'm glad, you know, that guy's really athletic, but hasn't done much, you know, throughout his NFL career so far. 
So uh, he's out the door. Uh, pass rusher Bruce Irvin is out the door. Um, big stud from uh, West Virginia. Um, but, you know, been in the league for about 10 years now, kind of underwhelming. And then cornerback uh, Quinton Dunbar, also gone. And then we'll talk about who they lost on offense. Offensive guard Mike Upati. Um, wide receiver David Moore, who was kind of the third receiver in this offense, would pop up occasionally and make big, uh, big plays for Russ. He's gone. Uh, running back Carlos Hyde. Uh, backup tight end Jacob Hollister, wide receiver Philip Dorsett, and wide receiver Josh Gordon. They're all gone. Uh, sucks for Josh Gordon. You know, the NFL finally revises their marijuana policy, and it's too late. for It's a decade too late for Josh Gordon. Really sucks. But they lost a lot of names there, a lot of depth, especially on the defense. Um, Hollister, I think went to Buffalo, the tight end, and he's a guy that stepped in decent last year when Will Disley got injured. This team hasn't had much at the tight end position, but he was a, he became a, a relevant guy for Russ last year. Um, and then to bring in, you know, some replacements, they didn't really do a whole lot for me either. They did a trade for offensive guard, Gabe Jackson from the Raiders. Um, they signed tight end Gerald Everett from the Rams who was like the 1B tight end in that offense behind Tyler Higby. But they ran a lot of multiple tight end sets. So he's a guy that, you know, some people in the fantasy community are eyeing to, you know, hopefully be the full-time starter in Seattle and kind of have a larger role than he had with the Rams. He was uh, Sean McVay's first draft pick that he ever made as head coach of the Rams. So um, McVay kind of, you know, targeted this guy heavily as a building block for his offense it just didn't pan out but he's a he's a fast pass catching tight end he's really not that big for a tight end he almost looks more like a receiver on the field um who else did they bring in uh defensive end carry Hyder, uh cornerback Akilo witherspoon defensive tackle l woods and backup qb sean Mannion. so not that many big names there right um, this isn't a team that's usually spending that much in free agency. Uh, they're more of a, you know, let's take care of our in-house guys. Let's let's make sure our contract extensions are good. So they did a lot of re-signing. Defensive end Carlos Dunlap, running back Chris Carson, uh, defensive end Benson Mayawa, offensive guard Ethan po Pochick. Probably pronounced that wrong. Uh, he's actually starting at center right now on the depth chart. Offensive tackle Cedric Ogbuhi. Uh Cornerback Demarius Randall. If you guys were curious where Demarius Randall is, you know, floating around these days, he's in Seattle. And cornerback, uh, <clears throat> quarterback Geno Smith. Shout out West Virginia. Geno for Heisman. I think I still have that t shirt somewhere. Um,. We'll talk about the draft. They only had three draft picks, so I'm just going to give them all to you guys. Uh, kind of confusing for me also how they used them. Um, didn't have a first-round pick. Uh, second round, they took wide receiver Dwayne Eskridge out of Western Michigan. And why? Like, 
if you if, philosophically, if you're trying to become a more run heavy offense, why are you drafting a third receiver when you already have DK Metcalf on his rookie contract and you just gave Tyler Lockett a contract extension? It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, if you're a team like the Bengals or the Rams or the Chiefs that's constantly rolling out three wide receiver sets, then I guess, but it doesn't seem like that's the philosophy that Seattle's trying to implement going forward. So this was a confusing draft pick to me, but a lot of uh, NFL offenses have value in that third receiver these days, the Panthers, the Bengals, the Rams all, you know, have been able to sustain wide receiver threes for fantasy relevance over the last few years, the Falcons too. So guy to know round four cornerback, Trey Brown round six offensive tackle stone Forsyth. Let's hope stone Forsyth can be a guy. Um, Cause I, you guys have noticed, I like football names. I like these names. And when I hear a guy, an offensive tackle, especially a lineman named stone, I mean, that's pretty fucking badass. I mean, if he doesn't pan out in the NFL, he should sell the rights to his name to like the next Sylvester Stallone movie or something, or who's doing movies still. John Cena could play a guy named Stone Forsyth, you know, or The Rock. The Rock. That would be a good one. Anyways, uh, strength of schedule, 11th. Difficult schedule when I was looking at it. Um, you know, this, this Seattle team – is a team that's been super consistent under Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson has never uh, had an eight and eight season in his career. He's had a winning record every season. I think they had one nine and seven season. And then every other year they've won at least 10 games, which is ridiculous considering how long the guy's been in the league at this point, they make the playoffs every year. But this roster kind of scares me. Like I said, this isn't an organization that I'm feeling an overwhelming uh, sense of momentum uh, with right now. I think there are some really dangerous teams in the division. Actually, every team in this division is dangerous. Even the Cardinals, who haven't done much in recent history, but they've made a lot of peace, uh, a lot of moves this offseason. And Kyler Murray's a dangerous cat. So this division's tough, and then they have to play some tough out-of-division opponents. You know, Green Bay, Minnesota, Pittsburgh, New Orleans. Uh, it's it's a difficult schedule. They start out the season, uh, Colts, Titans, Vikings, 49ers, Rams, Steelers, Saints. And then they finally get the Jags on Halloween, but they don't have really a, a cupcake opponent until Halloween. So kind of a tough schedule. If I had to pick this win total, you know, like I said, this, this is a organization that's won 10 games almost every year, the last fucking eight years. But with that schedule and the fact that I didn't even mention, you know, their, their divisional opponent. I mean, I guess I did a little bit, but the fact that they have six games, against the Rams, 49ers, and Cardinals, all those games could go either way. The 49ers have been injury-plagued last year, but they're a really loaded roster and a well-coached team with a lot of talent. They could be really good again. They're just a year removed from the Super Bowl. The Rams, I think, are going to be dangerous, best defense in the NFL. They have a quarterback now, well-coached team. And I just talked about the Cardinals. So 
it's just too difficult of a schedule for me to really have confidence in taking the over on this. So over under 10, over is plus 100. The under is favored minus 130. It wouldn't surprise me if this is exactly a 10-win team. Um, I don't think they finish below 500 because Russell Wilson just doesn't do that. He's just too good at pulling wins out of his ass. Uh, but leaning towards the under 10, not betting this, not betting against Russ. I, he's actually one of my favorite players in the whole league to bet on because uh, he is so fucking consistent. And the Seahawks team has won so many games since Russ has, you know, taken over the locker room. But this offseason was not a good one. This team doesn't have a whole lot of momentum uh, right now. And I, I can't understand really philosophically what they're trying to do. Um. So I lean under the division plus 200. Uh, I think the Rams and the 49ers are both plus 150. Uh, like I said, I'm actually, I'm actually thinking about taking a Rams plus 150 for this division, you know, not the most confident bet I'll have this year, but um, I lean with the Rams this year. Conference plus 700 Super Bowl plus 1400. So Last year, their Super Bowl odds were plus 1,600, and they and then they looked like shit over the last six weeks of the season and, and looked like shit in the playoffs. And then their Super Bowl odds went up, even though they had a bad offseason, lost a shit ton of defensive depth, didn't really make any splash signings, and didn't have a good draft. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, so I will have no shares of Seahawks futures this year. And this sucks because, like I said, I really like this team. I really like Russ. I really like DK and Lockett for fantasy. But the wins, this might be a bump in the road in the in the career of Russ as far as team success. Playoffs, yes, minus 145, no, plus 115. This is weird to me because if under 10 wins is favored, but yes, playoffs is favored, is Vegas saying that this team's going to go nine and eight and sneak into the playoffs? Seems weird to me in a division that's so loaded. Um, and there's other teams in the NFC that I think could be good still. You know, we don't know how good the Saints are going to be this year, but I think Sean Payton's good enough coach to keep them relevant, even though they have a transition at QB. I think Minnesota could be better than they were last year. Uh, you know, Chicago could be better if Justin Fields plays like a, a stud this year. So it's just too, too many cooks in the kitchen. I'm probably leaning no on the playoffs this year. Again, probably not going to bet it because I don't like betting against this team. But yes, is minus 145. No, is plus 115. So if you're feeling like I am, but maybe a little bit more confident, sprinkle a little bit on that plus 115 for this uh, this Seahawks team to miss the playoffs because that's kind of how I'm feeling just based on the offseason. Not a good offseason for this team. Um, we'll talk about fantasy. Russ is going too early for me. I'm out on him. He's going around the sixth round in your fantasy drafts. Rather sit back a round or two, get me an Aaron Rodgers or a Tom Brady. Uh, I've mentioned Ryan Tannehill is a guy I like to target late in drafts. Um, you know, there's pl there's plenty of guys there that I think you can still get. And, you know, does Russ throw 30 touchdowns every year? Yes, but hasn't been the most consistent fantasy quarterback. Uh, so I'm out on the Russ situation this year. Chris Carson has also given me some worries. 
he's going around like late third round in most fantasy drafts. And he was a guy who was really targeting in all my leagues last year as my RB2. You still could do a lot worse at the RB2. He's definitely not an RB1. If if Chris Carson's your RB1, your team is going to be fucked this year. Uh, RB2, you know, it's just tough. I think Rashad Penny has a bigger role this year. I know a lot of fantasy people are like, why are you even bringing up Rashad Penny? He's done nothing. But um, I think they do have more of a split in the backfield this year. I don't think this team's given up on Penny. He's a former first-round pick, underwhelming first two years in the NFL. But I think he gets rotated in, and it's just uh, it's concerning to me. You know, this team, you know, could easily <clears> – this could easily be Chris Carson's last year as the lead back with this team. It's just we don't know. So, again, like running back to probably worth a shot. There's not many better running backs that you can get at that point. But he's given me a little scare that I don't know. I got I got cold feet about Chris Carson this year. I'm not really sure I'm in love with him for fantasy. Rashad Penny's going undrafted. Uh, I think if you want to take him as your last pick or even just like, you know, try and pay attention to if he's involved week one and check the waiver wire, you know, do I think it's worth a shot. I think he has a bigger role. I don't love him, but. Anytime you can get a running back with a any role in in the offense as your last positional pick, it's worth thinking about, worth talking about. DK Metcalf's going a little too early for me too. He's usually a top five receiver drafted, and is he t- a top five receiver physically in the NFL? Probably, but with the low passing volume in this offense, and you know just the the receivers that are still available a round or two after DK, um, he's going a little too early. You're drafting him 204 is his uh ADP, so about middle of the second round, about 16th overall pick. And like I said, there's just there's just a lot of receivers that I'd rather have in maybe like the third or even fourth round that I'm comfortable with as my wide receiver one, where I don't need to reach in the second round. If you can sit back, I talked on the Chargers episode about potentially taking Keenan Allen in the third and Julio Jones in the fourth. I'd definitely rather have those two than, you know, have um, DK and have a worse running back situation. Uh, that being said, he's a stud, not trying to talk down DK. He's like the second coming of Terrell Owens, really impressive guy, really fun to watch. Tyler Lockett to me is a value, maybe my favorite fantasy value in this offense. Actually, definitely my favorite fantasy value in this offense. He's going around like late fifth, maybe sixth round in your fantasy drafts. And I love that spot. He was a top 10 fantasy receiver last year. It's just, he is inconsistent. He is a boomer bust guy. He would have some weeks where he'd score three touchdowns. He would have other weeks where he would score literally zero fantasy points. So you have to keep that in mind when you're constructing your roster and you're going through your drafts. Okay, my wide receiver two is Tyler Lockett. He's a little bit more volatile, so I better make sure that I have a safer wide receiver one uh, who's going to be getting a higher, more consistent target share, a PPR guy like a Keenan Allen. Um so it's something that you have to consider, right? Uh, you don't want two boomer bust receivers 
uh, locked into your roster every week because that's just too much volatility. You know, if you get a bust game from both of them, you're basically sunk for the week. So uh, Lockett is a guy with a ton of upside, though. Uh, Double-digit receiving touchdowns last year. Has the ability to win you weeks uh, when him and Russ are just going off. So uh, I do like him in the sixth round if you can get that. Um, two receivers that you should know about, but you're not drafting. Freddie Swain is lifted as the third receiver on the depth chart. Look him up. I didn't. Dwayne has Dwayne Eskridge. I almost said Haskins uh, is the fourth receiver rookie out of the second round this year. Uh, tight ends. You're probably not going to have too many shares of these guys. I mentioned Gerald Everett. Gerald Everett. Uh, He's going like last positional pick, like 15th, 16th round of your fantasy drafts. If you think he's going to have an expanded role in the Seattle team, go for go for it. But um, Russ isn't really a guy that's traditionally used the tight end a whole lot. You could make the chicken or the egg argument. Is it because he hasn't had very good tight ends or is it because that's just like not part of the Seattle system? Even Jimmy Graham when he was there was, you know, pretty underwhelming. Um, so I'm not loving it. I don't think there's that big of a role. Uh, and I don't think Gerald Everett's going to get that many targets, so I won't have him, but he's got to have on your radar. And the last guy, Will Disley, uh, he's been on the Seahawks the last two, three years. He's been, you know, injured a bunch, but when he's been on the field, he's had some chemistry with Russell Wilson. He's the second tight end there, so just pay attention to it. That's it, guys. That is it. Uh, we are going to wrap this one up. Tomorrow we're coming back strong with the Rams. I told you guys I like them to win the division, so we'll get into that tomorrow. Uh, but that was the Seahawks. Um, we'll see, guys. We'll see. So thanks for listening. Uh, another episode, SGR21 in the books. And uh, thank you again, and uh, ramble on.